All right. Um, welcome. It's episode 36 of the Apex Vaulting Podcast. Um, awesome guest today. I'm so lucky. It's over the phone, but the last two phone uh, podcasts sounded great, so I figured, what the heck. I've been wanting to get Josh Winder on for a while. Did I pronounce your last name right? Uh, yeah, Winder, Winder, <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is Josh Winder. Um, I already interviewed his dad and, and his brother Luke. It, it, and I'm really, really grateful to have Josh on. Josh, I, you know, I, I have to say, and we were just talking about this. Love your content. You're one of the few people out there that's posting a lot of pole vault content. That I think, you know, I, I guess what we should start off with talking about is that. It's not all just about technique. I think a lot of people get caught up in pole vault technique, and if they disagree on something that's maybe worth 5 10% of the vault, it's like they disregard the whole system. You know, they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And the thing that I wanted to talk about with you today is that concept and idea of, like, there's many levels, there's many layers, and there's a lot of things to consider when you're talking about coaching pole vault than just technique, right? It's like, oh, I'm a Petrov Bupka model guy, so I don't want to talk to anybody unless they're a Petrov Bupka model. Well, there's a lot more to be learned. Like, we were just talking about, you posted recently a video of your dad uh, talking, uh, doing a top-end drill with, with a bunch of campers, you know, and I was talking about what I took valuable, but may, maybe you can express in your own words, like, why did you post that? What did you think was so awesome about that drill and the way your dad took the kids through that? Well, um, I'll backtrack a bit. I, I think a really good um, metaphor for, I mean, I guess coaching and kind of what you're touching on is, is kind of like education and public public school system. You know? Yeah. I mean, I guess whenever I was in school, um, you know, you learned how to multiply, you know, right. four or five different ways because right. there's so many different learners out there. Right, and, right. You know, it's the same thing with the ball. I mean, you have the nuts and bolts of, of how to multiply and how to divide and how to teach these lessons, but every single student is going to be different in the classroom. And mm. whenever you've got a group of campers um, or a group of athletes, you, you want to have some structure. You want to have a basic outline, some, some scaffolding as to like how you run your system. And with, with my family, we call it the, the winder way of pole vaulting. Yeah. And, I'll get into that in a bit, but I mean, I guess touching on that drill, that was something, um, I'm living up in Minnesota right now, and my, my, the rest of my family's down in, in near Chicago. Right. And we've always run this, um, pole camp. My dad got it started, you know, a couple decades ago. Yeah. And, yeah, and your and your dad mentioned and your dad mentioned in prior, the prior podcast, I mean, you guys have sometimes like over a hundred kids that attend this camp, right? Yeah, there's there's been times when we've had a hundred kids with you know forty or fifty on a waiting list. Wow! Um, so it's it's in high demand in the Chicagoland area, and actually we kind of tailored it um, to be even more exclusive, if you will. Mm. Um, we're only taking in I think it's twenty or thirty vaulters. Wow! Um, I'm kind of a kind of a cyber like internet coach, if you mm. will. Um, right. You know, I get people. If there's some people at the camp that have um, specific questions on specific okay. drills, my dad will just tell them to reach out to me um, via email or my YouTube account or whatever, it be, mm-hmm. and we can connect that way. But yeah. um, the, I guess, like, kind of getting to the point of that drill, that I like to put a variety of content out there, um, and in that in that particular drill, it was cool to just see. Um, you know, kind of a very simple two or three part drill working mm-hmm. and and really working for twenty or thirty campers or whatever right. it was right. in one session at one time. And I think it's important to understand that like like we said, maybe two or three of those vaulters were taught to turn or mm-hmm. taught to extend off their pole in an entirely different way. And that's right. awesome. That's great. Maybe yeah. that works for them. But at our camp, we have very specific movements that have helped us as a family and helped yeah. all the vultures that go through our camp system. So what we try to do is not only introduce new things to, to people who who, low, who know little to nothing, right. but also to help blend the expertise that we have in that camping or in that camp system with you know some of these high school vaulters who vaulted two, three, four years and really have been stuck at that, you know, 
mark, right. or even 15 or 16 foot mark, it's like, what if you take your right hand and instead of having it on your left quad as you extend up, mm-hmm. what if you put it on your right quad? And it's right. like, that's something that's wired into my head and my brother's head and my dad's head, but maybe to a high school vulture who thought he was doing every single thing right, right. that movement of you know, six or nine inches to the right could be the difference of, yeah. you know, him being an all-state athlete. Well, and, and look, I mean, that's uh, just to speak openly and honest, because I, I always believe in transparency. That's something that I don't always touch upon with a lot of my athletes. So we'll, like, we'll talk about turning and I'll talk about their hip movement and what their arms are doing. But sometimes the location, I, you know, I don't talk about that. So, like, even if one of my kids was at, at your camp, they would get something out of that. You know, and just because I don't touch upon it doesn't mean that, oh, they shouldn't care. You know what I mean? And I I always try to even teach. Yeah, and I try to teach all the kids that I work with and the athletes that, you know, you have to have an open mind and try to be a sponge and take everything that you can. Because I... I, uh, I've used this analogy in the past. Like, um, I always talk, my brother loves, uh, Johnny Walker Gold, right? Which is a single barrel whiskey. Yeah. I go, but you know, he's kind of wrong because that's not the most expensive one. The most expensive one is Johnny Walker Blue because it's a blend. You know, and yeah. we've all taken the best from things that we've seen throughout our lives. Like, I'm sure even you, it's like sometimes you've probably, because of your own experiences now in Minnesota, maybe, you know, you, you hang out with your dad or you hang out with Luke or, or Jake and you go, hey, I, I just heard someone talking about this. Like, what if we we try to blend this in or something? That That's the beauty of kind of like forming a system. And that's that's what you guys have done. And I have huge respect for that. I mean... And, and something that you started to touch upon, you have to have a process. And process is important. It's great if, if me and you can sit here and talk technique, but a process is sometimes more important because how many kids can you coach if you have a convoluted process that takes too long to talk about? You know? Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that that's where a lot of high school and even college level, post college level, yeah. get coached. Used um, whenever, whenever you basically have 500 different things that you keep touching on in a workout. That's right. just like, hey, make sure you, you know, run fast and get your plan up and swing your feet up and turn and look down your pole and make yeah. sure you do this, 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 this. And it's like, wait a minute, let's back it up. Like your your plant looks like garbage today. We need to fix that. Right. That is our focus today, and we need to drill. You know, 15 times fixing that plant. Does that mean the rest of your vault is going to just be not as efficient? Well, maybe today. Yeah. Um, but that's not the focus. Today is fixing your plant. And uh, on that same note, mm-hmm. you can't be a coach that says, hey, you know, we're going to fix your plant this summer and then drill, you know, a thousand drills with just that plant because guess what's going to happen at the end of the summer they're not going to be able to get upside down right and i think right that there's 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 an obvious balance in a process and i think that um i guess touching on the winder way of vaulting we have a very systematic way of developing vaulters and it doesn't necessarily matter if you're a vaulter that's two hours in or 20 years in, it's the same, it's the same kind of concept. There's, there's, there's different levels of mastery and whatever. Right. You get past that level, you get to go to the next level and the next right. level. But if you've got a vaulter who is jumping 16 feet with an extremely soft bottom arm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say, wait a minute. Let's stop the whole world and let's try to fix that bottom arm right now for the next two or three months because then you're going to ruin the vaulter. Right, right. Well, and, you know, I mean, here's the thing too. Even if if that is something that you wanted to fix, I I think, you know, you guys – again, you have to go back to the process. Is there something before that that is causing that? You have to address that. You can't just blindly address that bottom arm and then realize, wait, this guy is super flat, and that's part of the reason he's collapsing. He's got to jump up, or else he's still going to collapse. You know, or you're going to end up yeah. with a vaulter, like you said, who blocks himself out completely and can't get upside down. You know. 
Yeah, and I think, I mean, I guess segueing into, you know, doing something uh, prior to the vault, uh, prior to the vault should be, you know, lifting and sprinting to help support and maintain your vault, your technique. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, your mental, emotional, physical kind of just being as a vaulter. And I feel like that, that's something you touch so well on in your social media is you, you know, 90% of your content is whether, whether it's in the weight room or related to the weight room. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it's about pushing yourself and trying to kind of get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I feel like that's so huge. And that's such a missed, missed point by so many high school vultures. It's, it's, it's easy to see where their mind's going. So check this out. If you look at the analytics of my YouTube channel, Mm -hmm. I have probably, I mean, maybe a hundred, 150, 200,000 views in pole vault technique videos. Right. But if you look at all my weight room and sprinting videos, they have like a couple hundred views. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, that is a, and, and I don't care, but I yeah. think it's really funny right. to think, like, why is a 15-year-old guy or gal sitting at the computer looking at, you know, the, the technical aspects of the vault right. over and over and over again, yet they can only do half of a pull-up? Right, right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, and, and it's funny that you bring up the analytics and stuff and it's so funny, like even my Instagram, you know, we're just over 1400 followers, nothing crazy, but I I would say that 50% of the followers are strength and conditioning people. They're not even pole vaulters, you know, and, and it's crazy to me because, you know, what I think happens is we all like to believe in a magic bullet. You know, like, I really would love to believe, like, if I flew out to Minnesota, that, you know, Josh, you can show me some magic drill, and I PR two feet. And the thing is, like, sometimes even we get crazy results like that. Like, I'm sure, you know, you could tell me stories about, you know, people your dad has worked with who maybe they came in with a 13-foot PR and literally in four months jumped 15 but that's kind of like that kid that was just in the right spot. It wasn't getting a lot of coaching, had athletic ability, and boom, you get a quick PR. But that's not the norm. You know, and I think a lot of us of coaches, we kind of, we fall for the trap because we have egos and we want to be like, yeah, look, I coached this kid to a two-foot PR. Or, yeah, my system's so good that I coached a two-foot PR. But it's like, hold up, you got a really athletically talented kid. You know what I mean? That's not your yeah. normal progression for an athlete, you know? No. And just if just got on a bigger pole and, <laughs> and, and was able to catch it correctly and jump two feet higher. Right. But it's like you said, it's like, look, if you're not putting that time into the weight room and see, that's not a magic bullet. You're not going to improve your squat, you know, 200 pounds in a month. You know, you're not going to improve your bench 100 pounds in two months. You know, that's something that's going to take a lot of consistent effort. You know, and I feel like, yeah. you know, I think in society, I mean, that's why diet pills exist, right? People want to believe they can take a diet pill and they're going to be in shape, you know. But in the pole vault, we're, we're kind of, uh, we fall prey to that. You know, we want to believe that there's a yeah. quick fix. And, and I feel like there's not enough people preaching, you know, the hard work ethic. That's why it, it was funny. I, I kind of had a back and forth on Facebook with, with Jeff Coover because I posted this one picture. It was like, I had like bloody shins. I just deadlifted and I was like, Hey, everybody's talking about taking summer off. This is your time to shine. Like now put the work in so you can catch up or pass people that are ahead of you. And Jeff Coover's like, well, rest is really important too. And it's like, one, that wasn't the point of the post. And two, obviously rest is important, but I think there's a lot of people that don't need to worry about their rest. They need to worry about their work. You know, they're not putting the work in, you know? Yeah. No, I feel like, well, I guess this is a, this is a tricky subject because if you, if you have a whole bunch of elite level vaulters, guys who really figured mm-hmm. it out, you know, Jeff right. versus spectacular. A- absolutely. Vaulters, um, Luke, Jake, uh, my brothers, uh, yeah. know, um, all of the, all of the elite guys out there, rest is insanely important for them. Right. It's insanely crucial for them. Um, 
But on the same note, our content is related to or are geared towards, you know, 13 to 20 year old, you know, individuals who right. want to want to hit goals and achieve things greater than they ever thought they'd be able to do. And I feel right. like I feel like it's really easy for me even to think, oh, rest is so important. You obviously need rest. But but the thing is, is we're talking honestly to people who, you know, a male vaulter who's vaulting on a 13-140. Right. Unfortunately for them, it takes, you know, a 15 or 15-6-170 yeah. to even have a chance to win state. So if right. you want to tell that individual, hey, why don't you take three or four months off, um, you know, they're, they're going to be on a 13-145 next year instead of the 15-170. Right, right. And I think that's the reality is, is we, we are, we're focused on helping develop teenagers into young adults and adults, yeah. not so much, um, you know, having this two or three month cycle of rest so that the, uh, the elite season goes exactly as planned. Well, well, right. And I mean, that was the thing that I kind of even mentioned in a comment to Jeff. It's like, look, like for you, yeah, you're at the top level. Rest is a huge, huge concern. Even, even the, the ways that you recover are important. You know, are you going to go, you know, do a cryotherapy session? You know, do, do you need to go get deep tissue massage done? Like acupuncture, you know, there's so many different levels of recovery that are so important to those guys. But it's like, by and large, the community that, like, like you said, that you're talking to, that I'm talking to, you know, they need to earn that before that's a discussion that they need. Like, like you said, that boy jumping on a 1345, I would hate for that kid to waste money on cryotherapy sessions thinking that's going to get him on a bigger pole when he's got to do work so that he'll need the cryotherapy session, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you that's, know, I think, uh, so me, Jake, Luke, my dad, you know, I guess me, me, and, me and Jake are kind of the standouts, but we've all, you know, obviously participated and gone through the, the wider way of pole vaulting, decades of pole vault experience, yeah. watching hundreds and hundreds of vultures go to these camps, and we have, I have never once, never once had to tell a kid to, to chill out on his training. To right. back off, you know, and I think that's a sign that maybe they're they're not working, um, you know, as hard as as hard as they could be. I don't know if it's necessarily as hard as they should be, but yeah, you know, me, Jake, and Luke, we all won, you know, the Illinois State Championship, and mm -hmm. and you know, Jake and I are the only people that I've known in Illinois that's that's got caught up in overtraining. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, I think that, um, that's a whole nother subject, but it's like, we've always been the more is more. Yeah. And yeah. That, that caught us up in injuries. Of course. It yeah. Did. You know, I've had multiple surgeries for multiple injuries and, and that's, that stinks. Yeah. Um, yeah. It essentially cost me part of my vault career, but would I trade it, you know, for, state championships and national championships and get the experiences I got no and if I would have you know taken it easy would I have would I have competed you know at a, at a national level no I don't think I would have right you know so there's a trade off there yeah well no absolutely I mean look I think anybody who's ever done anything great you're gonna make sacrifices somewhere you know what I mean? Whether, whether that is physical, mental, emotional, um, social, you know, you, there, there's a sacrifice somewhere, you know, that, that needs to be made. Um, I, I mean, heck, I know a lot of athletes who, you know, if they were just a little bit more willing to make social sacrifices, they probably could have jumped higher. They probably could have been more competitive, you know, but they made certain yeah. choices. And we're all making those choices you know um i mean yeah. heck i'm not even josh i don't even compete right like i i don't really jump much because i don't have a lot of time for it very busy at the club so i just try to squeeze in these workouts and i don't know i just i love deadlifting 
but I've been going too hard. And it's like, now it's like, if I drive for more than a half an hour, my hip feels like locked up. It takes me a minute to warm it up, getting out of the car, you know, so I can walk without a limp, you know? And it's like, and why am I doing that? I mean, people could call me dumb, but it's like, I don't know. I just enjoy deadlifting. Obviously I'm going to try to figure out how to fix it. So I don't keep having this issue, but we, we all make choices like that. You know, I mean, uh, my brother was ragging on me one time for working out and I'm going to hurt myself. I go, you don't even work out and you just, you just popped your calf muscle, didn't you? Jumping into a pool. Yeah. And he's like, uh, yeah. I'm like, okay, so it is what it is. Well, it's, it's, I mean, I think in your case, you know, the deadlift, that's something that uh, your life wouldn't feel complete at the moment if yeah. you weren't able to get that in. And right. I mean, actually, the, you texted me a couple, about a week ago asking, mm-hmm. you know, can we do this podcast? And yeah. I was, um, I couldn't do it yesterday because I was actually at a at a trail run. Which mm-hmm. this is a whole whole side note here. Yeah. I I absolutely absolutely despise distance running, like <laughs> to a degree that like beyond hate. Like I I can't express to you how much I dislike it. Yeah. Um, but I guess the old David Goggins mindset. Sometimes yeah, you gotta do something that that puts you out of your comfort zone and that really tests your body and makes you feel like, um, you know, you're striving towards something. Yeah. I mean, you know, to accomplish something you never have, you have to do something you've never done. Right. And I mean, I, I felt stagnant. I, you know, I didn't have a post-collegiate pole vault career really. I was Mm -hmm. kind of plagued by injuries and just said, you know what? I've been sitting around for a year and a half. I guess my version of sitting around is a little different, but yeah, you know, not too sure. much. Yeah. Um, so you you try to enter into a twenty-five k, you know, trail. Wow. And wow. Next thing you know, which I mean, that's not that far compared to a lot of these guys out there doing it. But um, yeah, still, for a lot of people, that's a lot, though. Yeah. It sucked, though. It was difficult, but. Yeah. Sometimes you've got to do something like that to help push your mind. And I feel like circling back to pole vault, yeah. you know, for a lot of these vaulters that are really, really feeling comfortable with this, well, this pole feels fine. My technique feels fine. I think next year I should be able to add six inches to my PR. I should qualify for state. All right, I'm good. Why not be like, you know what? Screw it. I'm... I'm lifting freaking hard this summer. I'm putting yeah. in some sprints this summer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to train all through the fall. I'm going to take, you know, three or four weeks off right before the season to let my body rest up a little bit, but still maintain some working out and lifting right. through that. And then, boom, next thing you know, first indoor meet you PR by a foot and a half. And it's like, whoa, why wasn't I doing that before? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I mean, definitely. I mean, I talk about that all the time and I'm sure you're familiar with West Side Barbell. You know, like they always talk about it. It's like doing the things you're good at are not really going to get you to the next level. You have to do the things that you're bad at. You know, if there's a drill you're bad at, that's what you got to attack. If there's an exercise that you're bad at, that's what you have to attack. You know, I think we all tend to kind of gravitate towards the things we're naturally good at, but probably that's already taking us to the level we're at. We've got to do the uncomfortable to reach new levels, like you said. Um, and I mean, I, I want to bring up for a second, I mean, I remember approaching your dad about you specifically uh, because I had an athlete that tore his rotator cuff. And it was funny just telling your dad the story because he was one of my club athletes. He had gone on to college and kind of his college coach was forcing him on these like bigger poles and the kid tore his rotator cuff and your dad was just shaking his head. He like kind of like as I was telling him the story, he knew where it was going, you know. And he told me about what it was like for you and the modifications that you guys did to your training to allow you to keep jumping and and win a Division three title, you know, and jump. Your lifetime best 17-3? Uh, seven, uh, five thirty, seventeen four. Seven, okay, yeah, seventeen four, a little bit. And it's like 
That's amazing. Can you maybe take us through that? Because again, going back to systems and process, how did you guys figure out a system and process that would allow you to keep training after a torn rotator cuff, which I think most people would see that as like, okay, we're done now. Like no more pull yeah. you know? Well, I mean, I guess this would be a long story. I'll try and make it quick. It's so, okay. One thing I'll note during, you know, I think it's, it's absolute BS, and there's sometimes a stereotype out there mm-hmm. when somebody's going to judge a coach based off of how high they pull ball. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know if you've ever run into that, but it's almost like a, a pitching matchup, just like, okay, who, yeah. who's vaulted the highest? Okay, he's definitely got to be the best coach, when in reality... Some of these guys who vaulted insanely high, you know, 18 plus, 19 plus, their coach was telling them what to do so much, so often, right. that they lost sight of what it actually meant to pole vault and why they were doing what they were doing. Right. The actual, like, physics and technique no. behind it was well, their well, I I, t- I tell I tell a story at my club all the time. One of my best high school kids ever. He came in the summer after uh, his freshman year of college, and he came in. and He goes, Bronco, I have to I have to admit something to you. I go, What's up, man? He goes, uh, I don't know how to pole vault. I go, What are you talking about? You're one of my best ever. He goes, Yeah, yeah, but you would just tell me what to do, and I would do it. I don't really understand it. And that, that speaks to what you're saying right now. I mean, like, some people are just, I think, so kinesthetically aware that if you tell them what to do, they can do it, but they can't tell you how they did it, you know? And that's actually something in the last, like, I would say, like, three, four years, I've been really, really ramping up explaining things more and making sure that the athletes understand the process, not that I'm just running the show, you know what I mean? Because I think yeah. that's that's valuable. But, but continue, continue with your story. Well, a little bit more on that. There's several. I mean, my dad's coached decades of alters mm-hmm. and alumni from North Central. Yeah, and some end up being coaches and being great coaches that you know really, really tried to understand like the process of this event, and then right. others. You know, we're just thrown into a coaching role at a local high school because they had pole vault experience. Right. Couldn't coach worth anything because they were the juggernauts of the sport, the ones that were just like, you know, get on the runway, be mechanical, do the job, get off the pit, coach, what do I do next? Right. And that's fine. You know, they were great. But at the same time, um, you know, I guess the, the, the coach... Um, I see myself as more of a coach than mm-hmm. a pole vaulter. And right. through that injury, this is circling back to that, yeah. I, I had literally two years of not really being able to do much of anything pole vault related besides maybe some pole runs. And right. I, in that time, I studied the event I watched every single rep of every single vault of a five or six person vault team at North Central video yeah. every single jump, you know, and, and really, really, really tried to learn because I thought if there was a chance of me coming back, which at the time, you know, I had doctors telling me there's zero chance of me coming back. Right. Um, I, I knew that I needed to learn this event so well that I understood what my dad was telling me in competition and why. Um, right. So it was kind of like I was trying to get a head start on the mental side of the vault in my career, knowing um, that my physical side was going to be delayed quite a bit. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Abs- absolutely. So, absolutely. So whenever I was a junior in high school, you know, I jumped out of my brain at my junior year state mm. championship, you know, I wasn't expected to win. I won the championship and jumped 16-9. That was, mm. you know, great. Um, but my senior year, um, I was dealing with some hamstring issues, so I was, I took most of the indoor season off. And then my first beat was at um, a beat called the Rolling Rolling Meadows Vault Summit or the Windy City Vault Summit. Mm. Um, and I was going to get to compete against, you know, one of my now great friends, Nick Viking, um, mm-hmm. who 
exceptional vaulter. Um, but I, you know, I wanted to win the dang competition, so I went from 15 six poles to 16 foot poles. Wow. And, you know, bumped my grip up maybe three or four inches. Um, mm. Got through warm ups fine, nothing, no big deal. I always took off way far out, you know, yeah, yeah. Maybe like 13 feet or so, even mm. in high school. Wow. And um, my dad wasn't at that meet. He was at, I believe, my older brother's national championship, James okay. Mitty Indoor, yeah, Indoor Championships. Okay. It shows how late in the indoor season it was. Um, mm-hmm. And I just I took off at like 10 feet, whenever I was supposed to take off Ooh. at like 13 feet. Yeah. And left shoulder, bottom arm dislocated. Um, and fortunately, I was uh, strong enough to like move the pole through the pit with my top arm, yeah. let go with my bottom arm. Mm-hmm. and rode it into the pit and um, kind of rolled out of it and then just got off the pit and had to flex my bicep real hard to kind of pop it back into place. And yeah. I, I thought, like, whoa, dang, that was that was crazy. Uh, I'm not going to be able to jump the rest of the competition, but I'll be fine come, you know, early outdoors. Yeah. And then I had no idea that my shoulder was just going to keep slipping out. Right. Um, so then I took some weeks off, trained physical therapy, you know, dislocates. Two months later, same thing, tried to play yeah. old dislocate. Um, you know, jumped at the sectional meet to try to qualify for state. Right. Came in at like 15, 6 or something, made it, and then, you know, dislocated. Like, wow. um, it was, I literally had like three jumps to my name that I was able to complete that injury and it was just right. continue i mean i you know i remember watching you jump in college and you know it's funny like before i knew your story you know what i mean because i had noticed it was like sometimes you jump everything looked great and then other times i would even see you just like kind of warm up and then not jump and i'm like wondering like what what the heck is going on you know and once i finally heard i was like blown away you know what i mean but to know that you were able to do that but just to kind of go back like you know, I, I think you explaining, you know, staying in, doing your physical therapy, and that idea of, like, focus. Sometimes I, th- I feel like that really escapes a lot of vaulters. That escapes even a lot of coaches. It's like focus is so, so important. It is very difficult to be good at anything in this life without extreme focus. I mean, I don't know too many people that are successful without that. And it's like, again, you know, and it's so funny because, you know, your dad has done such a wonderful job. All three of you guys did a wonderful job. I mean, the crew at North Central, whether, you know, there's a winder on the team or not, always so awesome. And you know what's kind of like the proof, uh, you know, that you guys are awesome? There's always a little bit of haters, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they always want to point out why why you're so good and why oh they're lucky and everybody wants to talk about luck, but it's like 
come on, man. Like, the story you're painting doesn't sound lucky. The story you're painting sounds like a lot of hard work and effort. And that's really what I want to connect. Uh, the idea for a lot of people is like, look, if you really want something, you've got to work for it, regardless if you're naturally talented or not, you know? I, I agree. I think that's where, I mean, some people find it cheesy to whole wind her up, but, you know, that's where that was born. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I mean, it started in a, in a dorm room, you know, basically watching my older brother and all of the North Central College athletes um, and, and all the other schools athletes on the, on, yeah. the, on the TV at the national championship. I was sitting on my futon my freshman yeah. year. Um, at that point, it had been maybe six or seven months post-surgery, and I still mm-hmm. was in just an immense amount of pain, just, uh, you know, at that point, really still not knowing, hey, you know, will I pole vault again? Um, yeah. You know, I had tried weeks prior to that to try to qualify for the national championship my freshman year. Again, like not having vaulted basically at all, just trying mm-hmm. to go for it. This is post-surgery. Yeah. Came in at like 15-6 and shoulder slipped out. Mm-hmm. And this is post-surgery. And I was like, well, dang it. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and so a couple weeks later, you know, I... I'm sitting there on the futon watching these guys vault, and then I remember hearing on the live stream that Jake was struggling during a season at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy shouted, you know, so-and-so on deck, and then he said, wind it up. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, here I am sitting here on the futon with my shoulder in a sling, really upset at the world, and my older brother and all, all these guys are at the national championship and you know for some reason whenever I heard the words winder up I just thought you know what this is a mindset change here that needs to happen I need to stop feeling sorry for myself yeah and I need to start just freaking getting after it and yeah um, that's what winder up means man with, with focus it's you hear those words winder up and for me Luke and Jake you know that's hey I'm up I gotta step between the white lines. I gotta be laser focused here, and I need to get the job done. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the same mindset that can be carried to you know the weight room, to the track, to your job, to your everyday life, man. Yeah. And if you any time that I'm you know struggling in, in my job, or I can't get a rep in the weight room, or I'm out trying to run up a bunch of freaking hills for 16 miles, I'm thinking to myself, you know, what about whenever I was back in the dorm room making sacrifices to be able to accomplish something, you know, I, on paper, and in the doctor's office was not supposed to accomplish. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, look, I I tell people all the time, too, uh, you know, look, I've gone through ups and downs uh, in my life and especially in, uh, you know, coaching. Uh, I built up this club to a certain point and I, I was kind of getting down on myself at one point. And I, I tell people all the time now, I go, there's a big difference when people ask me, hey, like what's going on? Like if I, have, if I haven't seen someone in like 10 years or something like that, hey, like what are you doing with your life? And there's a big difference being like, oh, well, you know, I just coach and, you know, whatever. It's way different now when people see me. I'm like, oh, dude, like, you know, I'm coaching my club. Things are going great. I have so many kids. I'm hosting this great event this summer at the, at the club. It's going to be awesome. You know, literally your attitude towards things matters so much. You know, like I, I even tell people that there was like a, a year or two there where, you know, when I was coaching, I was kind of bummed out and um, the right words were coming out of my mouth. You know what I mean? Like I, I was giving the right coaching cues and the right adjustments. It's just the passion wasn't a hundred percent there. And until I changed my mindset, you know, like you're talking about, it, it, it just changed everything. Once my mindset changed, there was more passion there. There was more fire. And then you're, you're able to see things that you didn't see before, you know, and you find solutions instead of talking about problems. You know, it's like, it's kind of cliche almost. It's like, but they always say, it's like, Hey, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. But that's what you have to do in your own life. You know? I agree, and I feel like, I mean, ironically, the, the Cardinal Vault Club, the North Central College, yeah. you know, pole vault 
mm-hmm. kind of went under a, a restoration. It, it, it was kind of like you're saying, you know, I mean, it wasn't like poor coaching or like any safety concerns or anything. It was great. It's always yeah. been a very successful camp. But the last year, um, Luke, my dad, Jake, you know, myself from afar, mm-hmm. really tried to breathe some life back into this camp and mm-hmm. spice things up, change change it from a, you know, we're going to do swing throughs and then we're going to do drills and then we're going to talk at the end of the camp. They really tried to make it, you know, interactive right. and, and give out T-shirts and, and stickers and, and, and create kind of like these character reward systems and really just yeah. try to to drive the the pole vault in a direction that is not like you need to do a thousand reps and you need to sacrifice your life for this. Well, no, you don't. You need to have fun. And of right. course there's sacrifices to have sure. that's the difference between, you know, you know, champions and, and all Americans and all state athletes and and not, but right. you still need to have fun. Yeah. You know? Well, well, and and you know what too, and you know, again, I think a lot of people give lip service about growing the sport, you know. But here's the yeah. thing: every popular sport out there, and I love to use UFC as the example. Sometimes, I mean, UFC was like a laughing stock in the beginning. You know, when they were talking about caged yeah. fighting, it was like, what, are you crazy? Boxing is number one. They'll never be better than boxing, you know? And Big guys versus little guys. Yeah, guys yeah. But, taekwondo, jiu-jitsu masters, yeah. Right, but now yeah, it's a... laughing stock. Yeah, but now it's like a well-respected sport, and it's super popular, and they still take risks to, to this day. Even last night I was watching the pay-per-view, and they did... It, it seemed a little scripted at the end, but... You know, they're trying to pump people up for the next pay-per-view. Yeah, with the Brock Lesnar uh, coming in and shoving DC. But but the thing... That's a little bit of the WWF or WWF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. (laughs) But but the thing is, it's like they took chances. They made it fun, like you said. You know, it's like they're trying to pump it up. Like even... um, this summer, I'm having like the Northeast Pole Vault Club Championships for the second year, and I got championship belts for the Open guys and gals. So if you're a, if you're a college post collegiate, you're in the Open section, you win, you get a championship belt, and there's even prize money for the post collegiates, you know. And I'm doing that through spectator fees, and it's like, but that's exciting, and we're gonna have a DJ, and we're gonna have a food truck, and a lot of stuff going on. And it's like, well, you've got to make fun events, you know, you've got to have a fun camp if you're gonna draw those people in because, I mean, you and I both know this is a wonderful event. This this is a fun event, and this this event can teach you things that you will take for the rest of your life, you know. And but the thing is, we've got to put it in a way that other people we can entice other people to come see what this is about, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think here's here's my perspective of you know I guess how fun or not fun the event can be if you. If you are a vaulter who, you know, spent, let's say, five, six, seven years vaulting, put in so many reps, accomplished a couple things, but really was just, like, doing it because you felt like you had to do it, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's not fun. And same goes for a coach. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, yeah. you know, accept a coaching job because you feel like, you know, I guess because I, you know, was a All-American or... You yeah. jumped whatever in college. I feel like I guess I should just coach. And then you're, you're, you're not motivational. You're not excited to be there. Your athletes are, you know, I guess kind of excited to have you, but not really. They kind of don't like you very much. Like that's a toxic environment. Yeah. I think that that's actually helping to, um, kind of screw up the growth of the vault. And right. You, like you said, it's amazing how putting some things together like that little event that you're talking about with mm-hmm. prize money and belts and, and I mean there's so many cool events out there that's helping so much like the, the lacrosse uh, river vault you mm-hmm. know was just this past weekend and yeah. I got to spend um, some time in lacrosse a couple of years ago I was hanging out there for about a month uh, while my wife was on a med school rotation there and mm-hmm. like that's such a cool event, you know, stuff like the Pueblo Street 
street vaults and the Clovis street vaults and, you know, all of these different fests, like, mm-hmm. that's promoting the sport. And sometimes you've got to put some time, effort, and money into the push of this event. And, you know, I, I spent countless hours trying to put together some USATF sanctioned events and helping mm-hmm. out my family in, in Plainfield and Joliet, Illinois, trying to put together some vault fests that we had in the past. And that that really helped help the Naperville, kind of Joliet, Chicagoland area go, oh, wow, this is, this is cool. Maybe I should introduce, you know, my son or daughter to this sport. Right, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and look, I think you said something that's important too. Um, like, you know, look, you obviously are running your business. You know, I'm running a business, Apex Vaulting. But to grow a business, like you said, you've got to put time and money into it. So if you'd like to grow the vault, you know, a lot of these people, it's like, again, they give lip service, but it's like, Put some time in, put some money in, see what you can grow. I mean, you know, any business, it's like, let's say, look, let's say we want to open up a bakery. You have to buy the ovens. You have to, you know, have a place to sell your bread. If you don't put that money up front, you'll never make money going forward. And you kind of have to do that. That's just the way it is, you know? And the thing is, I don't see it as a negative because I know a lot of people are like, well, pull vault's not that big. I see that as a positive. This is an opportunity for a lot of people to get in on the ground level. I mean, you know what's awesome? There's a guy from Maryland, um, Jacob Sanders. He actually was listening to the podcast. He reached out to me. He started a pole vault club in Maryland, and he's already got like 15, 20 kids. And that is something that makes me super pumped because that's another person that's trying to grow the event, you know? And if imagine if, like the strength and conditioning world, there could be, you know, every, not only every major city, but even in between a pole vaulting club with a coaching staff that they're making a living, they're coaching pole vault for a living, and they're helping more and more people become a part of the sport. I mean, that's, that's something for me. I feel like that's a necessity for pole vault. We need more people trying to do that. Yeah, no, I mean, look at, look at CrossFit. I mean, mm-hmm. CrossFit, and, and even CrossFit is considered a dangerous, you know, somewhat unhealthy sport if yeah. you do it correctly. Right. And it's, it started, I, re- I mean, I would say maybe a decade ago is whenever it started yeah. to really gain some traction. And yeah. then next thing you know, you know, there's a CrossFit gym or two of them on every single block corner in every town, <laughs> like, around. Yeah. Like, I mean, that, that doesn't have to be the pole vault, but, you know, that started as something small that not a lot of people were into and had kind of a bad rap, and next thing you know, everyone, everyone's doing it, and yeah. I feel like, I feel like it could be a bit dangerous if you get, um, you know, a bunch of coaches that aren't too familiar with the sport, sure, of course. that want to start up a bunch of clubs, but if you've got, if you've got the right you know, facilities, you've got the right people and you've got a group of athletes you can help, take a chance. Just say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and do this. I did that whenever I was coaching at a high school up in Northern Illinois. Mm -hmm. I had the summers off. I was a teacher at the time. Yeah. I said, you know what, I'm going to just, I'm going to run a camp and see what happens. And, you know, started with one person and next thing you know, we got like 30 people and, you know, 25 of them I've never even met before. And yeah. Like parents come in, you know, doing little competitions. And, yeah. And, you know, half half those vaulters weren't vaulters at the beginning of that camp. Yeah. And now, you know, a couple of them were on the awards stand at the yeah. championships this past season. And it's like, it's just crazy how if you just go ahead and go for it, well, you never know. And, and you know what's amazing, too? You know, Obviously, PRs are awesome and state championships are awesome, but the community, you know, like I know it's like my generations of athletes, like, you know, I just, I I had a little bit of a graduating class this year and, you know, those kids are so tight, you know what I mean? And those are some friendships that will last maybe a lifetime for some of them. And to know that you are the epicenter of that community, you know, that, that's amazing to me, you know, that, that's something that, that 
pole vault can provide because it is such a great event where, you know, it's kind of like a martial art. You know, you have to learn the skill. Then there's also the physical preparation and you get to do it in a group, you know, and, and push each other. That's so, so big. Um, you know, and, and to go back to something that we kind of started talking about in the beginning of the podcast, this is why I think process is so important. You know, I think, you know, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of the show, the Prophet. Are you familiar with it? It's, it's one of these business shows. It's like shark tank, you know? And one of the things that the guy talks about is like the three P's. You need a product, you need people and you need a process. And it's like, I know pole vaulting is a great product. You know, the pole vault is amazing and we have great people in the pole vault, but we need that process. You know, I think that's where some people fall short. I mean, how many coaches do you know or coaching situations that you've seen over the years where it's like, you know, the person's process is just bogged down. Like we were talking about in the beginning with your dad going through the the top end drill with, with what was it? 20, 25 athletes. And it's like, that was a great process. And all those kids learned something in that like five minute period, you know, and they were able to take that with them going forward. The process becomes so huge. And that's why for me, it's like, Again, I know, like, even me, I coach a little differently than you guys. You guys are probably a little bit bigger on on the bottom arm. I'm I'm not as much. But the thing is, I think we both have processes that we can learn from. You know what I mean? It could be as simple as how to line kids up to do planting drills, you know, and how to to work through that, how to include a new uh, athlete into a group without, you know, bogging down the process. These are all things that start to become more and more important for coaches. Cause I know I get questions about that kind of stuff all the time, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. And I feel like, I mean, it's funny because we, uh, we talk about the process so much, um, but we never, I mean, I guess we talk about it so much with the North Central College athletes and the North Central coaches, and, right. you know, at our camp, but like, I never really talk with coaches about the process whenever I'm at a track meet right. because they are so fixed on so many technical cues right. and things. And, and, and I'll tell you what, whenever I actually, I mean, being totally transparent with you, I mm. didn't, I'm not coaching at a high school currently. Yeah. I didn't enjoy my experience coaching at a high school mm. at all. Mm-hmm. I really didn't. I love coaching at the pole vault camps at, at North Central College. Mm-hmm. I love coaching at the camps up here. I coached alongside Steve White, uh, mm-hmm. coached at University of Minnesota. Right, right, right. Athletics up here. And I, I absolutely love coaching in a camp system. Here's what I don't like about coaching um, at a high school. Mm-hmm. And it was I would go to these track meets and people would talk my ear off mm-hmm. about technique, an ultimate form, dorsiflexion, J position, yeah. turning, you know, arcing over the bar, piking, like all of this stuff that to me it's like this is so insignificant right now right. exactly. These kids should already be prepared with all yes. of this. They should have already put in dozens and dozens of reps. Well we don't have a pit. Well, okay you should get a high bar and do some pole run. Well, we don't have poles or a high bar. Well, you should be sprinting on the track and having some classroom time where you can go over it. There's, yeah. there's zero excuse for that. And I just, I was, uh, I was just blown away by probably about 40 track meets in a row of coaches just gravitating towards me and going an ultimate dorsiflexion. How many left do they run? And what size pole are they on? And I just, I couldn't handle it. It well, was just too too much for me. Well, you, you know what I, I think is interesting too? It's like, so it's like, let's say that coach is over there talking about penultimate and yet you watch their kid and you can tell the kid has no idea how to jump up. No idea. And and so then the coach is giving this lips, again, lip service, like, hey, you got to jump up. It's like, you never took, like, guess what? You don't need a pole to teach a kid how to jump up. You can literally have them on a track and do, like, I, I put some video together of them 
post soon more about our jumping drill. We'll do different variations, a, uh, a four-step, a six-step jumping drill where the kids are going step, step, long, short. They jump off their left leg, land on their right. If they're a righty vaulter, the verse, yeah. if, they're, if they're a lefty vaulter. But it's like, you know, it's like you could have been doing that. That should have been drilled into your kid's head. And now you want to talk about it at the meet. And the worst part? You're working with your kid who has concepts down, and they're like, well, your kid doesn't jump up, Josh. And it's like, excuse me? Your kid just helicoptered over the bar. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I feel like it's real easy to criticize someone else, but then it's like they're not looking to see if they're actually coaching concepts. And that process of coaching concepts and piecing that together, you know, and look, people can make excuses all day, but I remember the first year I coached, I was teaching, and we didn't have any polls for the girls. And I know, and this is a big ask, I'm not saying everybody should do this, I spent my own money, bought four polls for the girls that year. Right out of my own pocket, because it was like, yeah, how am I going to coach this event without polls? That's no, it. No, you know? I, I was, I guess I was kind of similar, but I didn't spend my own money doing it. I just begged the, the school yeah. until they got so annoyed to where they'd buy me the buy me the poll I needed and if yeah. you express to them um, I mean again I wouldn't advise coaches going up to all the athletic directors in the area and telling them hey this is essential or else people get hurt but the reality right. is, is like if you let them know hey this is a this is a sport that um, it is so crucial that you have a, a series of polls yeah. you have proper equipment um, and Ultimately, these kids are going to have more fun, be more successful, promote the school, promote themselves for colleges more. If you if you really want that, you know, we need two or three polls this year. It's going to cost us a little over a grand, um, mm-hmm. but you won't have to buy them again, you know? Right, right. <laughs> and I, I, I think that it's important that, you know, I guess talking about money again, you know, pole vault is an expensive expensive sport and it's so important that people understand that but also you're making an investment so long as you know you, you don't damage your poles right. that that can essentially help to fuel a whole community a whole district right. a whole camp system you know yeah. you could have one school that has a great pit a great set of standards a nice track and you know 20 or 30 pole vault poles and you could essentially you can you can run meets all year. You can USAF yeah. sanction meets. If you've got a really motivated coach that really wants to to you know form a good relationship with some coaches in the area and, and yeah. have a great community there, um, you can do a lot. I did it. I did it in Northern Illinois. I took full advantage of coaching at a high school that that really um, that really you know, enjoyed having me there. So, yeah, no, I mean, a lot of things can be done. I mean, again, it it goes back to that mentality that we were talking about before. Look, if you're focused and you have a positive attitude and you try to find solutions, not problems, you could do a lot. You know, you could do a lot. I mean, the, the high school that I first coached at, I remember at the time, um, I think the school record for girls was like eight feet, three inches, you know? And, you know, it's real easy to be in that situation and just look at other people who have girls jumping 11, 12 feet and be like, wow, I wish. But instead, you know, it was like, no, I was telling girls the first year, I'm like, we got to have somebody jump 10 this year, you know? And they were looking at me like I'm crazy. But it's like within within two, three years, we had, we had an 11-6 girl, you know? So yeah. you you can do a lot, you know, if, if you set your mind to it, um, you know? Yeah. But, you know, again, I just... I think it's an amazing event and, and definitely like you have to have the right mindset. You have to try to figure out that process. Um, you know, and, and that's why, you know, I wanted to have you on, on the podcast, Josh, cause I think, you know, again, you specifically and your family in a, in a bigger picture, you guys have a wonderful process and you guys have built something amazing, you know, and I just, you know, I know even, you know, when I bump into former North Central pole vaulters, you know, they all have great things to say about not just the vault, but their experience, their time there. You know, I think, you know, you, your dad, you guys are great teachers of not just the process of pole vault, but just things that people can take with them for the rest of their life. You know, even, even the idea of, you know, wind her up, 
You know, that, I, I love that. You know, I, th- I think that, that is, that, that is something that's really, really awesome. You know? Um, I appreciate it. I think, I, I mean, I owe every single bit of that to, um, you know, my dad and his persistence and mm-hmm. his, his coaching abilities, but more so his, I mean, character and attitude yeah. in the event. Um, my dad is a, is a really, really um, disciplined coach, and he's a very knowledgeable coach, but, you know, I guess you wouldn't really know that because he doesn't really say all that much, yeah. um, and he doesn't doesn't really like to talk to people all that much, um, and he knows that's no offense to him. Yeah, yeah. That's just the way he's wired, and I think that that's a true testament to his, you know, just humility and calmness and stillness in the event and I feel like he passes that on to um, to his vaulters he doesn't have any vaulters that are like crazy you know run through I'm freaking out about the competition you know like that, that doesn't that's not even a possibility at North Central they would get weed out pretty fast well, and, because they just wouldn't get along with my dad. Well, and, and you know, and, again, an interesting point on that, you know, when you're dealing with the numbers of athletes that you guys have dealt with over the years, that just doesn't have a place in the process. You know, if, if you're yeah. going to, you know, try to showboat or if you're going to freak out at every obstacle, you're going to learn real quick in, in the system that you guys have in place that that's, that's not the right way to go about things. You know, yeah, and it just doesn't doesn't work. And I, I feel like it's it's crazy whatever you see. And I don't mean to toot my dad's horn here, but mm-hmm. if you if you see the caliber of vaulters that he is given prior to their freshman year in college, right. and what he turns them into, oh, absolutely. Like, this dude is not getting fifteen or sixteen foot vaulters. Right. This dude is getting, you know, 13 foot pole vaulters that he turns into the guy, the the kid from this year, what's his name? Is it Spencer? Spencer Lady? Yeah. I remember him posting videos his freshman year at North Central. I'm like, oh, your dad's got his hands full. But that kid is a stud now. He's awesome. And, And I think yeah, that all those guys. Yeah, and and the thing that's funny to me is like it's real easy once a person's jumping high, oh, he's a stud. <laughs> you know, but yeah. you don't know the story behind what how that kid got to that point. You know, not everybody is just this natural athlete. Um, you no. know, and and the funny thing is and I, I said this to your dad when he was on the podcast. I go, you know, it's so funny. I always thought of you as this very intimidating figure, and I think great coaches sometimes come across that way, but then when you learn about the process you figure out no they're they're just really good educators they're really good teachers and it's just the system produces people who are disciplined because that you need to be disciplined but it doesn't mean that the coach is always this dictator figure you know and your dad it was like when i the first time i ever spoke to him it's like he didn't know who i was i didn't really know who he was other than he was the successful coach and more than welcome to answer questions you know yeah he just he just wants he just wants to be able to stay in the zone and in the process whenever the competition's mm-hmm. going on. Otherwise, dude is yeah. a genuinely really, really great person. And I feel like, you know, if if any vultures who go through your camps or your systems ever have the chance to to, you know, vault at North Central College, they'll see this dude is he's a he's a character builder. He's an attitude yeah. builder. He's not he's not a technical analysis, you know, like guru. Mm-hmm. Heck he he knows all that stuff, but that yeah. that stuff doesn't matter if you're at the end of the runway quaking in your boots with a big pole yeah. in your hand and a headwind. Right. It just doesn't. No. Well and, and, and he, he he coaches he coaches so that you can be at Drake Relays with a headwind and it mm-hmm. raining and having to be on the biggest pole of the season and yeah. having to clear the bar to win the competition. Like, right. that, that's what he produces. Um, granted, it doesn't always work out. Yeah, well... We're prepared for it. 
No, no one's undefeated in this life. Like, uh, you know, that, that's another yeah. idea I feel like people need to understand. No one, no one goes undefeated their whole life. You know, we're, we're going to have obstacles. We're going to have failures. It's working through it, you know? Yeah, I agree. Well, hey, Josh, I, I don't know if you realize it's already been an hour. Uh, I obviously would love to keep going. We definitely should do uh, another episode. I know we talked about maybe talking about the physical end of it and, and the physiology behind some of the lifts and exercises, and we we should probably do just a separate episode about that. I'd love to do that sometime. Sure. Um, but I want to thank you again for your time. Um, do, what's uh, do you want to uh, shout out? Like, uh, what's your YouTube channel? What's your Instagram? Just so all the listeners here. Well, I couldn't really tell you exactly how to get to my YouTube channel. I just kind of searched Winder up okay. on, on YouTube. Yeah. I think it's youtube.com slash jrwinder635. Okay. Um, but if you search you Winder up, you'll find it. The, yeah, I would, I would just search Winder up. And then in the description of each of those videos, they'll have... Uh, www.winderupathletics.com which okay. is kind of more of a blog type website um, Instagram I think is at winderupathletics um, awesome. as you can tell I, yeah. I am not as consistently <laughs> on this stuff as, yeah, as yeah. often as I probably should be but um, I got a uh, I got a busy life up here in Minnesota yeah, yeah, no, more time no. for the pole vault no worries. Um, th- thanks again for being on the podcast. Um, anybody listening, thanks for listening. Um, you can check us out at uh, The Real Apex Vaulting on Instagram, Apex Vaulting on Twitter and Facebook. Um, we're also on Snapchat. Uh, websites, apexvaulting.com. And um, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Uh, talk to you. See you guys soon.